speaking on Joseph. And I shared with you how many know sometimes pit happens. <laughs> he was put in the pit. And it seemed like there was no way out. And I've been using this book, The Adversity of the Advantage, about this young man who lost his sight in ninth grade. And the lady you saw there is a lady from Germany who heard that Tibet had more blind people than any other country because of the altitude and the sun. And so she went to the German counselor and she wanted to go get, get some studies. She was a blind lady. She lost her sight also in the ninth grade. She wanted to go to Tibet to help the people in need over there. And they told her they wouldn't help her. So she got her own resources. Then she found out that the people in Tibet did not have uh, Braille, the alphabet, in their own language. So she started working on putting the, their language in Braille and bring it to them. She started a school there. And when she got there, she started finding out that the locals believe that when you're blind, you have a demon. And so she found some children, almost 20 years of age, still tied in a bed. The parents would tie their children down in the bed so that they wouldn't hurt themselves. And because they had been tied down most of their life, she found many of these children couldn't walk, couldn't use their hands, couldn't even help themselves. And so she went over there and started a school. And in no time at all, she had over 52 students. And they heard about Eric, who climbed the seven highest mountains in the world and also was blind. And so she wrote him a letter and he went over there to meet them. And he started preparing them and getting them ready so that they would be able to also climb the mountain. Because he said, if I'm blind and I can climb the seven highest mountains in the world, you can too. So he started training these young people and they ended up climbing the mountains. And when they got to the top, they came, he figured that they'd be shouting, they'd be all excited, but they came, hugged them. And they, and he says, well, what's the greatest thing about being here on the top of the mountain? And they said, cause now I know I don't have a devil and that I'm normal. You know, I, I was using these examples and I could use so many more because I hear so many people who feel hopeless in their situation. That feel hopeless about their lives, hopeless about their marriage, hopeless about their children, their business. So many areas where it seems like, what hope do I have? But listen, if a blind man can climb the highest seven mountains, taking sometimes two months and falling 150 feet and everybody thinking he's dead and after a while get back up and keep climbing. And if he could just keep on, even though he had a sometimes retreat and the next year go back to do it again. I wanted to use these examples that if a person can persevere this much in something that he loves, how much should we persevere in the things of the Lord and be faithful to what God has called us to do? You know, I was reading the story at the end of the chapter where they had climbed all the seven mountains. And he said, one of his buddies says, what do we do next? And they heard about the Tough Man Championship in Canada where you had to cross the whole country in kayak, in bicycle, uh, mountain climbing. And, and he'd ride on a bicycle uh, connected to his buddy. And uh, when they were going through the mountains, he would keep hitting the guy on the back. Hey, bud, there's one of my buddies. Good to see you. And, and as he was riding on the back of this guy, he was blind. The guy in front pedaling uh, was the one who had the eyesight. So he kept hitting him on the back and singing to him because he said, listen, if you go to sleep... I can't lead this thing. So he kept waking them up and waking them up. And so it was rough and it was hard. And they were the ones out of 48 who made it to the finish line after uh, eight weeks of running and kayak and bicycle and everything else. And when they finally made it to the finish line, he was so tired he was ready to give up. So he started imagining uh, his fifth grade class cheering him on so he could just he was just imagining running trying to get to the end making sure he was in the right path hearing this these five this fifth graders just cheering him on when all of a sudden he heard something he couldn't believe it it sounded like his daughter 
Hey, Daddy. Come on, Daddy. And, you know, he's blind, so he can't look around. But he says, that sounds like Ellie's voice. And he just kept running. He kept saying, it's me, Daddy. It's me. It's Ellie. And finally, he made it to the finish line. And she ran and grabbed him around the arms, around the legs and started hollering. And he said, it was her voice that gave him that umph to go ahead because it was her voice at the finish line that made him finish. And I started thinking about that song we sing, It'll Be Worth It All. That Jesus is telling you and I, don't quit. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're feeling, don't quit. Because listen, you may be in a pit now, but one thing I want to tell you, both David and Solomon, both of them wrote in their books, promotion comes from the Lord. So you may be in a pit and you may be going through the pits and you may be going through a hard time, but listen to me. Promotion comes from the Lord. The pit prepares us for the promotion. The pit prepared Joseph for the palace. It, provi- it, pro- it prepared Esther. It provided David what he needed to get to where he needed to go. And what I like about what Eric wrote in his book, it says, To those who face adversity every day, yearning to emerge stronger and better, may adversity become the pathway through which you flourish. Helen Keller wrote, Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, and ambition inspired and success achieved. I shared with you last week, Genesis chapter 40, verse 15. Joseph said when he went before Potiphar, before Pharaoh, For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing. I have done nothing. That they should put me in this pit. Have you ever felt, why me, Lord? Why me? What's going on in my life? Have you ever felt that way? What did I do wrong? Why am I in this pit? Why did I get lied about? Why did my brothers betray me? Why have I gone through all this betrayal and the things that hurt me in this life? And thrown in this pit. How many know pit happens, but promotion comes from the Lord? I want to encourage you about this too. The Bible says many are called. Guess who are the chosen? The ones who went through the pit. When Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and went to the prison. Don't you imagine he was thinking, I shared with you. He went 30 days looking over his shoulder, seeing, where's my dad? For sure my dad's going to come and rescue me. Where's my brothers? They'll bound to change their mind and come back and get me. As he walked those 30 days to Egypt. And then he was put on the slave block. And he was sold. And he was bought into Potiphar's house. And became a slave 10 years in Potiphar's house. Then 2 years in the prison. Don't you know the discouragement and the things that he went through? How many of you know that sometimes the pit means your life was interrupted? Your dream was interrupted. Something you were believing God for. Something you were praying for. It was interrupted. But listen to me. I can show you all through the Bible. People's lives were interrupted. I'll tell you a good example. How about the Virgin Mary? I was thinking, you know, as it's my wife's birthday and we talk and we think back about when we were dating. She was 14 when we started dating. And when I would drive up to her house, she, would, she had this special skip she would do when she'd come out the door. Oh, Russell's here, Russell's here. And uh, I just, I just, she had a special skip and I loved it. And then she just come up and I'd come out, you know, I'd slam my door, you know. And, just, and she, oh, Russell's here, Russell's here. Yeah, baby, I'm here. And when we'd go to the mall in Lafayette, you know, she'd be holding me by the arm and we'd be walking in the mall. And when we'd get in front of a jewelry store, she'd start pulling me and I'd start pulling her. Like, uh, and she had to go try on the rings. And then talking about the marriage, talking about the 
paper napkins and all that type of stuff. Girls, y'all know how it is. Can you imagine Mary? She was just excited as you were when you got married. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to invite these people. We're going to have this type of wedding. We're going to get under the hoopah. We're going to break the glass if they had glass. And we're going to just have the perfect wedding. Then all of a sudden, she's pregnant. Can you imagine as Joseph would get with his buddies after a while? They'd come up and they'd go, hey, Joe. Mary's getting a little chunky there. Joe, what's going on? It ain't mine. Joe, what's going on? It's spiritual. And Kenny, all of a sudden, he had to take his wife in. They had to leave. She didn't have the wedding she wanted. She had her child and a born. That's not any lady's dream. Anybody here had that dream? <laughs> then she has the child, and she has to go to another country for two years so the child doesn't get killed. How many know that's a life interrupted? But you know what? She was chosen to bear the chosen one. And sometimes life gets interrupted. Sometimes things happen that we don't even know why. But let me tell you, the chosen will be challenged. Many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen will be challenged. And everyone who is chosen has a many colored robe and is the robe of character. Because they might have ripped the outer garment, but they couldn't. Heart. And they can't rip what's in your heart put there by God. The destiny and the dreams of your heart in your life or in the ministry or whatever God has planned for you. He's got these things in your life that he's prepared you for and he's preparing you for. So if your life has been interrupted and you've been hurt, listen, one of the things about being in the pit is you learn how to feel for a compassion for other people. I want to admit, I spent some time with my aunt who my grandmother passed away a few years ago. And we sat at the table and we shared our hearts about what it felt losing our mother and, and her losing her mother, my grandmother, and me losing my mother. And many of you, the things you've gone through, the divorces, the operations, the, the children's things, the marriages, whatever you've gone through, you can hurt with other people and feel for other people. I shared Sunday night, Sister Kathy, just such a hugger and she could just love on people. Why? Because she's got that heart because of the things she went through. She can help people. I think of Sister Diana Pennington. You know, I mean, this lady's so compassionate that the, the, a pack of dogs got into their chicken coop a while back. And uh, the chickens got killed. And, uh, but there was one that was laying there, raising his head, you know. And by what I understand, she got a blanket, got a, a towel. And got that half-dead chicken and put that chicken in a towel and wanted to make it all comfortable. Brother Billy, why don't you just kill it? Oh, i got to make it comfortable. Now, that's a compassionate lady. So, you see, when you need somebody to hug on, find somebody who will love a dying chicken. But what I'm saying is when you're going through things, you know, when you're hurting, you've been in those pits. Somebody, you know somebody's going through it. That's why there's people that are so good about writing cards to other people who are sick or going through things or bringing flowers or preparing food because they've gone through it. But, you know, I want you to know that you're not in there forever, but you need to be prepared for the day that God's calling you and telling you to get out. 
You know, I was thinking about Joseph, and I thought they came to Joseph. And, and you know, I want to use Joseph as an example of how we are many times. They came to Joseph, and they said, Pharaoh wants to meet you, and he wants you to interpret one of his dreams. Now, you need to get dressed, you need to shave, you need to bathe, you need to get ready. Now, if it would have been some of us after 12 years in prison, you know what we would have answered? What do I got to get dressed up for? They're just going to send me right back in here. I mean, I haven't had hope for 12 years. Why should I change right now and start believing that something good is going to happen? I don't have to shave. Just bring me, let me do my thing, then bring me back into the prison. And the reason I thought of that, because I thought about Peter. Do you remember when Peter was about to be killed and he was lying naked, chained to two Roman soldiers? And he, but listen, this is the man. He was sleeping. The day before he was going to be killed. And he's chained to these two soldiers. And here comes, here comes a, an angel and kicks him awake. Throws his clothes at him. The chains fall off and he says, get up and get dressed. Some of us, you know what we would have said? What for? What for? Nothing good ever happens to me. Nothing good ever comes out of what I'm going through. What do I have to get dressed up for? What do I have to get ready for? What do I have to prepare for? Are you hearing me, church? Hello? Hello? I know I'm talking to somebody right now because I hear it all the time. Well, that, hap- that can only happen to them or it can only happen to preachers. It'll never happen to me. And there's Peter. Go ahead, put your clothes on. And as they walked, the doors would open by itself. That's the God we serve. Your life is not destined to be in the pit forever. It's destined to come out. But you need to be ready. And even after 12 years, you need to be searching for your time that you're coming out. Say with me 12 years. Hallelujah. Come on, bro. He's getting it. He's getting it. I want to get, I want, you want to talk about the pits? Ladies, you're going to be able to identify with this. How many of you remember Joseph was in the pit for, in the prison? How long? 12 years? In Matthew chapter 5. How many remembers? The woman with the issue of blood. Right. Twelve years nonstop menstrual flow. I know that's the pits. I'm ready to hang myself after seven days. Five. Can you imagine twelve years? I'm looking for a pit after five days. Let me in a pit and call me when it's ready. Can you imagine 12? I'm, I'm, trash, I'm just being real in these messages. Very real. Too real. Shh. Listen. Can you imagine 12 years? How many would have already given up? It, the Bible says she suffered many things at the hands of the doctors. And don't you know in those days, surgery was so cruel? She suffered many things at the hand of the doctors. Then it says that she spent all that she had, so she was homeless. But she had faith in her heart. And she said, if I can but just touch, press in, even when it's hard and it's difficult, if I could just press in and touch, there's a touch that touches God that changes things. There's a touch. There's a touch. There's a touch. There's a certain touch. There's a certain touch that brings the Shekinah glory, that brings the power of God, that brings the healing victory and the courage and the glory and the face of Jesus Christ. There's a touch.
That God just knows, oh, but you got to press through. Jesus didn't go to her house. She had to press through. And you may be in some type of pit and you may be going through something. You may, all you see is, our, our, our buddy said on that video, all you may see is darkness, but even in darkness you need to have vision. I'm coming out. It's not going to stay this way. Amen. Now I read to you in Psalms chapter 105, verse 19, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. When he finally got before Potiphar, he did, this book talks about there's ten things we do when we're going through it. The first three I'll give you. We whine, we complain, and we blame. We whine, we complain, and we blame. We whine, we complain, and we blame. Oh, it's somebody else's fault. It's their fault. How many of you know that when Joseph finally got before Potiphar, he had been prepared, and it says that iron was poured in his soul, that he was able to stand before Potiphar, and he says, I was sold. He didn't say, my brother sold me, my brothers betrayed me. He didn't tell about Potiphar's wife lying about him and putting him in prison. He just says, I was sold, and now I stand before you today. How many of you know we've got to get to the point where when we're in the pit or whatever we're going through, we're not shifting the blame, we're not whining, and we're not complaining about the things that have been, but we're looking forward to the things that will be. But listen to this. Until the time that the word came, the word of the Lord tried him. How many of the enemy hates the word of God? Even when the seeds are sown, the miracles that are in those seeds that are sown, the enemy comes in to rob and steal those seeds. They try to steal them out of our mind. And he tries to put pressure on us for us to back up from the word of God. The word of the Lord is tried. But let me tell you another translation of that scripture. Until the word of the Lord cleared Joseph. Until the word of the Lord Cleared him. The word of the Lord cleared him. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And if Joseph would have got out of that pit even a year or a week or a month before, he might have not have been ready to go forward. When I heard, when I read that interpretation that the word of the Lord cleared him, I thought about it when you're on an airplane. Have you ever got on an airplane and it got stuck in traffic and the pilot says, we're going, to be, we're going to have to sit here for about 45 minutes and everybody's impatient, everybody's hollering, oh man, oh no, let's get going. But how many of you know, if the pilot would listen to the people, oh, let's just go, and it's not cleared for takeoff? How many of you know, it's going to be a disaster. Well, listen, if the word of the Lord to you clears you or take off, you're going to be okay. But if you take off before the word is cleared for you, you're going to run into something else. You're going to hit something else. The word of the Lord cleared him. Well, why haven't I got my miracle? You ain't cleared for takeoff. Well, why haven't I got my financial blessing? You're not cleared for takeoff. The people I've prayed with, people I've known, Oh, I'm getting ready to get $500,000. I'm getting ready to get a million dollars. I'm getting ready to get all this money. And boy, I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give and I'm going to bless. And they get it. And you ought to see the junk they end up buying with it. And in a few years, they ain't got a cent left. And they're at, they, they didn't tithe. And they're asking me for money. Lord, don't let me take off until I'm cleared and ready to go. You hear me, church? 
Because God wants to perfect the things of our character and our integrity for our own good. Amen? The word of the Lord tried him. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. You don't have to go there, but if you're taking notes, we don't have time. In Genesis 37, verse 5, verse 9 and verse 11, it talks about Joseph dreamed a dream. And he dreamed this dream and he told his brothers and they were jealous and they hated him. And then, but listen, this is God. Then it says in verse 9, he dreamed another dream. Listen, you're going to be criticized over the word that you believe and the word that you get. But you need to write this down. Revelation comes with a price. You know, there's mega churches that just preach a friendly message with no revelation. When you start getting revelation of who you are and the authority of the believer, when you start getting revelation of the power of the blood, and you start getting your own revelation from the Holy Spirit, and you start journaling what the Holy Spirit's telling you, when you start getting revelation, there's going to be a price to pay. Just ask the Apostle Paul. Revelation comes with a price. So you wonder, why am I going through this? Why it seems like I'm losing my friends? Why are people just seem to be getting away from me instead of coming close to me? What is going on in my life? Revelation comes with a price. But just because revelation comes with a price, it says, and Joseph dreamed yet another dream. Listen, just because you're attacked over the revelation you get, doesn't mean that even though people may reject you, God sees the art. He says, if you want I've got more for you. I've got more for you. And people may get more angrier. They may hate you. They may have more jealousy against you. Whatever you may go through. But as long as you want more, God says, I've got more. But there's a price for more. Every time we get a revelation, every time God downloads some of his divine knowledge and wisdom to us, there's more and more things that happen. Listen to what Oswald Chambers said. God's method always seems to be vision first and then reality. But in between vision and the reality, this is often a deep valley of humiliation. How often has a faithful soul been plunged into a light darkness when after the vision has come the test? Oh, you're going to do this and you're going to be this and you're going to have that. And what did he get? Twelve years of the pit. But at the end, it did come. Listen to Hebrews 12.11. Hebrews 12.11. This is the New American Standard. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, say trained by it, trained by it. It says afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Amen. The enemy is after your revelation. Do you know the word of God says that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony? And whenever we get a word or a revelation, the enemy is going to attack that word with everything that he has. But listen, the enemy, he knows this, but we need to know this. When the devil's attacking my word, I'm either going to yield to what the devil's trying to make me see or what the pit's trying to make me feel or what he doesn't know is that when he challenges the word that I get, it's an opportunity for taking. 
take that word, war with that word, believe that word, speak that word no matter how I feel. And I have to, it's at those moments when I'm going through a hard trying time that I get that word, I meditate upon that word, I speak on that word, and as he's attacking me, that word's building inside of my spirit and inside of my heart. So what the devil's doing, he's causing friction, he's causing pressure. And if I don't give in, I'm getting stronger. The devil's doing me a favor by attacking the word that my God gave me if I just don't give up and give in. There's a price for revelation. There's a price for knowledge and wisdom. And that devil don't want you having it. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to prosper. You'll never be healed. You'll never see your kids saved. Satan, you are a liar. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. First Peter 3.14. Listen to this. But if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Psalms chapter 62, 5 through 6. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. Now look at verse 7. My victory. Say my victory. Come on, say it like you mean it. My victory. My honor. That's what it says. My victory and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge. A rock where no enemy can reach me. Woo! He's my rock and my refuge where no enemy can reach me. My victory and my honor is in God alone. Look with me, please. I want you to open your Bibles now. Hosea chapter 2. I want you to read this. Hosea chapter 2. Why do I have to go through the pit? Why am I going through a desert? Look at this. Hosea chapter 2. Verse 14, and I'll be reading the New Living Translation. Is the Lord talking to somebody this morning? Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. Hosea 2, verse 14. In the Old Testament, over there by Amos and Andy. <laughs> Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. And then, this is the New Living Translation, and then I will win her back once again. And I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. It's amazing, Sister Patricia. That in the hardest, darkest, most painful times is when I hear God the loudest. It's when I can't see God takes his megaphone out. I'll take you to the desert. I'll take you to the pit. And I'll speak to you there. Verse 15. I will return your vineyards to her. And listen to this. I love this in the New Living Translation. And and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Woo! And then look what happens. She will give herself to me there. Why do we go in the desert? Because there's still some things that are not totally God's. There's something still not wholeheartedly 
given over to the master. So he says, I'll draw you into the desert. I'll speak tenderly to you and then you will give yourself to me there. As she did long ago, as she did long ago when she was young and I freed her from the captivity of Egypt. When the day comes, says the Lord, you will call me husband instead of my master. Oh, Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips and you will never mention them again. On that day, I will make a covenant with all the animals. And and he goes on to talk about these things. Verse 23. At that time, I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. And I will show love. And those I call not loved and to those I call not my people, I will say, you are now my people. And they will reply, you are my God. I love the message translation. I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say nobody You are my dear somebody, and you'll say, you are my God. It's amazing in those trying times. My wife was ministering to somebody on the phone, uh, three people on the phone last night. And it, it was amazing how she was sharing that those hard times, doesn't it draw you close to the Word? Yeah, I'm in the Word. If you want to win, it draws you to the Word. If you want to lose, it draws you to man. What can you tell me about my problem? Well, why did the Lord tell you? Well, I didn't go to him yet. Well, you go to him. And if God can't tell you what's wrong, then don't call me because I can't either. The desert draws you to the one who is able to meet your needs. Jeremiah 2.2. Write that down. Jeremiah 2.2. I will remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert through a land not sown. And all who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them. Or in other words, those who come against you, I'm going to hold them responsible. Those who talk against you, I'm going to hold them responsible. Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. Paul said, we were oppressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we do not get destroyed. Though suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. Now, listen, the name Joseph means to take the reproach away. Joseph's mother, Rachel, was barren. She couldn't have children. And then finally, on one day, God remembered Rachel and opened up her womb and she became pregnant for Joseph and she named him. You're taking my reproach away. Do you know what one of the definitions for reproach is? Devil trying to spear your identity and trying to smear your name. The devil's trying to destroy what you are meant for and what you were born for. And Rachel says, my reproach has been taken away. And listen to this. It was so impacting this timing of Joseph's birth. Not only did it mean I'm going to take the reproach away, and some of you are getting ready to have the reproach taken away from your past, and the guilt that has been still holding you back is getting ready to be taken away. But not only was the reproach taken away for not being able to have a child, Jacob went to his father-in-law and said, once Joseph was born, said, I'm taking my family and we're leaving. It comes a time when you have served the time in the place where you have been, where the people have treated you wrong, have cheated you, have mistreated you. That it comes a time where when that promise comes to take the reproach away, God is ready to promote you. I'm getting out of here, Laban. I've served you faithful. 
And there's nothing. He says, I'll pay you whatever you need. There's no money that can keep me here because now God is telling me it's time to go. It's time to pick up and leave. It's time for my promotion. And I know that you're going to just try to keep putting me down. But the anointing of God and the call of God is upon my life. I have been a chosen of God. And I'm going to go forth where God is calling me to go. That's your promotion. And reproach is being taken away. But the name Joseph also means to add. Say to add. God is getting ready to add to you the blessings that the enemy has tried to steal from you all of the life. First Peter 5, 10 through 11. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support and strengthen you and will place you on a firm foundation. You may be suffering a little bit now. But don't give up. Don't quit. Look at Jerry and say, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. As black as it may seem, listen, if a blind man can climb seven tallest mountains around the world. I could show you another video of a, a man, uh, hers, his last name. He's lost both legs. But yet he climbs the tallest mountains just using his arms. One mountain is like doing 7,000 pull-ups. But he says, I may not have legs, but I've got my arms. You know how we are many times? Sometimes we're, we're like a child that gets a splinter and we pitch a fit. Or we could be like the soldier who loses a leg in battle and thanks God just and cries out of joy that he's just still alive. We whine, we complain, we blame. But God wants us to be victorious. Do you know what Sister Teresa said when she came to America? She says, I have found a country poorer than Calcutta, India. Because these people have everything. But they're the most unhappiest, unsettled people in the world. We have everything. And we want everything. But until we learn that our satisfaction and our identity is not in the things we own or the things we have or the things we can get, when our identity is in Christ Jesus, things, positions don't give us our identity. Even though Joseph was in the pit for 12 years, he still was the prince of God. Even though you've been going through things and you've been called names and you've been belittled, you're still the prince and the princess of God. Amen. I love how F.B. Mir summed up Joseph's life. It was a wonderful ascent, sheer in a single bound from the dungeon to the steps of the throne. His father rebuked him. Now Pharaoh, the greatest monarch of his time, welcomes him. His brethren despised him. Now the proudest priesthood opens its ranks to receive him by marriage into their midst and consider him to be the wisest man who was at the moment the greatest force of the Egyptian policies. The hands that were hard with the toils of a slave are adorned with the ring of a king. The feet are no longer tormented by fetters. A chain of gold is linked around his neck. The coat of many colors torn from him by violence and defiled by blood. And the garment left in the hand of the adulteress and exchanged for vestures of fine linen drawn from the royal, royal wardrobe. He was once trampled upon as the offscoring of all things 
And now all Egypt is commanded to bow before him as he rides in the second chariot behind the prime, as prime minister of Egypt, second only to the king. God can take you from nowhere and bring you to everywhere. What seems impossible is possible with God. There's a poet that wrote, I write about people who sometime in their life have a vision, a dream of something they should be accomplished And then they go to work. They are beaten over the head, knocked down, victimified. And for years they get nowhere. But every time they're knocked down, they stand back up. You cannot destroy these people. And at the end of their lives, they accomplish some modest part of what they set out to do. Amen. Another philosopher said, life can only be understood backwards, but it has to be lived forwards. And then I end with this quote here. One person once said, a rejected one shall reign and his bride shall be given him. Talking about Jesus. Then shall earth rejoice for he comes to rule and his reign is goodwill to all men. You know what? Anyone who's gone through some rejection, some betrayal, how many has been there? Betrayal, rejection, hurt, whatever you've been through. That, believe it or not, is going to be the open door for your blessing and your promotion. Whatever somebody's telling you that you'll never do, get ready. Because really, they're telling you, giving you a word of what you are about to do. When people speak failure, you just know it's the enemy that's speaking. And that God is speaking promotion. Don't be discouraged when you go through these times where it seems like nothing's working out. It hurts. I don't want to live my life anymore. Listen, when you feel like I just don't want to live anymore, it's because your soul is dying to circumstance. Until our soul dies to the circumstance, we can't live to the spirit. There's a spirit realm of walking in the supernatural power of God. And many times we can't understand it and we let the natural overshadow the supernatural. And I'll end with this and I'll give you a good example. Our God is a God of love. When Jesus called Peter out of the ship, it wasn't to kill him and watch him drown. It was giving him an opportunity to learn to walk in the supernatural. There was no way Jesus was going to allow Peter to drown. But Peter saw the natural and it overshadowed the supernatural and it opened the door for him to look at that and say, I'm going to die. Save me. And Jesus was right there. Peter, I didn't take you out of the boat to let you drown. You're not going through this sickness. You're not going through this tempest of finances. You're not going through this trouble in your life because I'm not you're not going through it for me to kill you and see you die. I'm teaching you to die to the circumstance so you come alive to the spirit. In the pit, Joseph had to die to the pit. In the prison, he had to die to the prison so he could be promoted a prince. And we let circumstances move us and circumstances influence us. But we cannot be an influence while we're being influenced by that which is around us. But it's dying to the circumstances, dying to the doctor saying, get ready to die. Just be ready to be a widow because everything stopped. And here's my brother, buddy, still winning souls in the prison. Huh?
You should have already been dead. You should have never, you should have never been found. You should never be in your own house with all your own automobiles, with all that you've lived through, Luella. There's people all through here should have already been dead. You could have been dead last week. There's people all through here. I've heard your testimonies. But you went through that. You came out of that. So that instead of calling the telephone number and getting a devotion from somebody in Dallas... They're calling your office to get a devotional from you. Why? Because you lived it. You went through it. And it built you. And made you stronger. And made you better. Nobody wants to go through it. But if we wouldn't go through it, those coming behind who are about ready to die... I'll never have anyone in front of them to make a way for them to keep living too. If Joseph wouldn't have made it, the heritage of Abraham would have died. If you don't make it, and you will, there are people who are going to give up and die. But you're not a quitter, are you? There's too many people who are looking to you for hope and help in their life. Let's stand on our feet.